the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm, we are recording on a Tuesday night following Final Cutdown Day. Uh, with me is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Um, Seth is actually, we've got him on, on Pup right now as well, just like Kyler Murray, as as he is dealing with some some injury issues and recovering from from stuff um how, how are you doing uh, you, you know e- even managing to do podcast duty today yeah this is uh the first day i've been up and about i left the house for about an hour today which was you don't realize how long five days in the house is until you stay in the house for five straight days and you're like oh my goodness this is ridiculous <laughs> um but yeah recovery you know it's a it's a it's gonna be a long six weeks we're we're five days in i'm not that i'm counting <laughs> third so, but thir- we, we, we at least can go. get him we at least can get him for he, he can't do full practices he's ineligible to practice but he can be in be in meetings like like when we get together and 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 connect via google meet to record our show so yeah so and and in this show for episode 456 this is the aftermath of the arizona cardinals final cuts they have a 53 man roster which technically right now is 52 players and we're here to break it all down we're going to break down position by positions um our takeaways the surprises because wouldn't you say that the way they constructed their initial 53-man roster is really kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's really odd. And like you said, we're going to get into it. it but it's it was interesting to see, one, and maybe I missed it, they only have 52 guys right now. Correct. They only have 52. That, that tells me there's a move that hasn't been announced. I don't know if it's trade. Or if it was a street free agent, that's not that's not dealing with the like the waiver stuff. But there's a pending move that they know is happening. So right, right. Or they know that they're number three on the waiver wire, and there's three guys that, at the same position that they'll take, <laughs> and they'll take whichever one they get. Right. Well, well even what, even if, it, if if like I think it's something other than that because even if it were a waiver thing, they know they have right, to cut somebody pro- anyway. You, you'd still you right. can just keep another player until you don't. Yeah, and it's just it's really interesting to see the mind of Monty Austin Fort. And you know, we'll we'll find out when Jonathan Gannon speaks, but like what his input on these things are. Um, we know towards the end it was really Steve Kime driven, right? Like the roster moves were heavily Steve Kime based. Um and so if it's a it's a if it's a collaboration, I, I'd love to hear uh, Gannon's input on, but we won't. He doesn't tell well, us anything. I, <laughs> I do think I do think, and we'll get to it. I do think the numbers on defense speak to Gannon's influence immediately, because again, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about a defensive coach, and when the numbers come out like they did. And I, I'm not even talking about the players. I know, it's names. just, what is it, 29, 28, 29 on defense? It's, it's yeah. absurd. Fort, but 14 
on that front four or five, depending on how they run it, 14. You're like, oh, yeah, this is a defensive head coach. Like, this, <laughs> this guy – this guy does not want to give up any of his guys and and you know it'll just be interesting to see how that plays out and and that was more to me what a question would become you know like you can look at a name you know at the bottom right like like Owen Papoa and you're like you know what they see in him and why he made the roster but you know on the flip side like ben Stilly? it's like <laughs> that's yeah. that, that's the guy I'm like what Ben Stilly and uh, the the Chris um, Boyd signing or keeping you know, him, I was like, okay, that's a that's a Jeff Rogers move, I think. Well, we'll get to we'll get to that, but let, let's start with the quarterback position. Let's start with the quarterback position because well, the first unexpected move was Kyler Murray was moved to the regular season PUP, which means and and, and I've expected this the entire time. It makes sense for the timeline. He has to miss four weeks. And then after that, he's eligible to be designated for practice, to designated for return. Um, we I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means in terms of timeline because they they are tight lipped about that. They're not trying to put any sort of expectations on them uh, on him for when he should return. But in, in terms of from what we were starting to gather, and if we look at kind of the timeline, so middle of October would be a little more than nine months out of surgery, um, which would make a reasonable pushed return, like like a like an intent type of turn, like like, like Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz will is expected to be playing in week one, and that's about nine months. And so Kyler being back about week six, which is honestly, it's where I tar. Like when we did our game by game prediction, that was the first game I picked him to come back, and I think that's kind of a sweet spot. But that that was not ex- unexpected. But what was unexpected? They cut cut Colt McCoy. What? And I'm like, I I I'm still a little bit. I get it, I guess, but I don't. What What was your take on the Colt McCoy release? It just tells me that his arm is completely shot and we saw a lot of that you know it's the irony of everything right um you look at the memes this offseason and the one play that gets super highlighted is that play in early in training camp where he underthrows the ball so bad it hits i believe marco wilson in the head yeah (laughs) yeah. and people are you know people are using that as like worst team in nfl not gonna win a game blah 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 and then they cut him right and people are like oh the tank is on in arizona it's like well i know it makes for fun tweets and memes and and uh post on instagram and tiktok and all that stuff but you can't have it both ways you can't be like Oh, if this is their starting quarterback, worst team in the NFL, and then be like, the tank is on. They cut Colt McCoy. Like, <laughs> like let's be honest, like, remember, like in our predictions, I, I didn't you have them maybe maybe two wins. I had them having win, winning one game in the first five, in in the first five games. And that was that was a stretch, right? That was that was them stealing a win against the Giants in the home opener with Colt McCoy. Uh, but even even still, I I. 
I'll trust their football judgment, but I still think for a team that's trying to win games, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. They're going to try and compete with the guys that they have. I felt he was the safest bet to bridge the gap to Kyler Murray because Clayton Toon, as a rookie, he's he's his variance in play is going to be far more disaster. He, they he will make game changing mistakes. And now with and I talked about this on on the last show. Josh Josh Dobbs doesn't he doesn't move the needle at all for me. Colt McCoy has a 12-year NFL career, and while he wasn't the franchise guy, he's been a well, well-respected well enough to keep around in a locker room for over a decade. And even over the last two years, we saw him be able to make plays, not all the time, and last year was a little bit less. But Josh Dobbs, there is nothing about, there's really, there's nothing that he's done since 2017 coming in the league. He's played in eight games since 2017 and started twice last year he while he may be as safe as Colt McCoy he doesn't he's not a playmaker to me I don't I don't, I don't get that move at all it just tells me that they didn't see anything during camp and you know I saw a couple of people that are saying like oh you know this is going to leave a sour taste in veterans mouth maybe the veteran treatment was allowing him to go this long to even split reps you know near that 50 50 mark during training camp to see if he had anything left in the tank the, the, um, the comment jonathan gannett said like there was nothing that he didn't show us like there was nothing more he could have done he basically said colt was washed without saying he was washed and it, i mean it makes sense his arm was at you know end of stage Chad Pennington level basically when he came into the league after that and didn't injury that happen like it was kind of then, funny because we talked about when he started in 2021 didn't we talk about hold on Colt's got more arm than I thought he did last year that yeah, arm was gone right and and he's had an elbow or is it a shoulder issue the last couple of years with the Cardinals um you know and so that's the thing is like a guy that's got a, a bad arm anyways that has to get it juiced up to make these throws is, you know, not just not long for the NFL, unfortunately. And, and the fact that Colt got 14 years out of, out of his body is legitimately amazing. And let's be honest, his body did not want to give him 14 years. I mean, he's basically, oh, yeah. he's basically, looks like raggedy Andy out there now like stitched <laughs> up. Like you, you genuinely feel bad for him. And I know it's hard to feel bad for anybody that's made nearly 25 million in their career, but you genuinely feel bad that his body had to take all of that just to get to this point. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that this is the ending because you would have liked to seen him, you know, go out in a situation where, his he could walk away and his body was still working yeah and like you said without without saying it they basically just made the statement of like this guy is he just doesn't have anything left unfortunately and it's just that's all it is it's just unfortunate like you know it's the joke we always make it's such a cliche father time's undefeated for a reason and you know some people it, it catches you sooner than later and right now it caught caught colt mccoy and that'll be this will be what's interesting to me and i don't know how you feel 
because we haven't talked about this, but if he doesn't get signed or anything like that, isn't that basically the indictment that the Cardinals made the right move? Because this is a guy that can't, unfortunately can't play anymore. He can mentally just physically. He can't do it. Yeah. And all, and and now good for him. The, the deal that he got with that. He, they re-signed last off season. He got the two year deal. Um, and that was, I mean, they made that move because that was going to be Cliff Kingsbury. He totally, he, he totally trusted Colt McCoy. But when Kyler got hurt and then they fired Kingsbury, Colt McCoy being on this roster with the contract that he did really was unfortunate for the team because two and a quarter million completely guaranteed. And guess what? Good for Colt. Now he's getting paid two and a quarter million dollars to go sit at home and, and, We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to check in on Colts' family, see if they've got that dog. Because if they got just, the dog, just, then we know, and we know it's done. Well, just uh, check out the his podcast on Underdog Fantasy. I believe it is. So, like, that's that was the sign to me that he was cooked. Is that it got to the point where it was like, oh, but he, we're the, here's do the thing. It. There's no way he was retiring. No way. No. Like, you no, make because, the team cut you because you've got two and a quarter million dollars on the line for it. Right. And that's and that's what it is. And, you know, that's what always makes me laugh. And, again, we don't know all the ins and outs. But what makes me laugh is that people will bash a football team, you know, blindly. But they'll never be like, hey, Colt, if you're physically unable to do it, why don't you give the money back and retire? No. Oh, wait, that's no. never going to happen. And nobody you know what? I just had this thought. I just had this thought. You know why he never considered retiring this offseason? I'm pretty sure it was because of the money. He was scheduled to make the highest salary he's ever made in his career. And well, granted, there's a lot of pride that he played, but, you know, after everything that happened, it wasn't really a conversation. They still wanted him to play, but the, he, financially... What else are you going to do that's going to get you two and a half, like three and a three quarter million, or or ultimately, and then basically he put him in a situation like I'm going to retire, I'm I'm going to come do this, and they, you know, you make them cut you, and you still get two and a quarter to two and a quarter million dollars. Good for Colts, and yeah, I mean, but the that contract, I mean, ultimately it ends up being another strike against. Isn't that just another strike against Steve Kine? I mean. Wasn't this entire training <laughs> camp and and the uh, oh my gosh the, the two trades you got to talk about solo last week? I mean, that's basically an indictment of Steve Kime. And yeah, this is like you said, this is just another kind of mark on his resume in a in a negative way. So they they keep only two quarterbacks on the active roster to start off. So you've got Clayton Tune, you've got Josh Dobbs, Jonathan Gannon refuses to name a starter. Um, you know, good for him you know competitive advantage let's let let's get honestly between joshua dobbs and clayton toon there's not a damn thing washington's gonna do differently in their game prep is there really i mean maybe toon's slightly more (laughs) athletic at this point but yeah it's not i mean like that's not a competitive advantage you're just prepping for the offense not for the quarterback because neither one of those quarterbacks is a difference maker they're both athletic they both have good arms um i'm just you know the little bit of optimism i had of just colt mccoy being able to 
caretake his way with some close games. I don't know what to think with those two. Now, for me, the most interesting thing is that, and I thought maybe they would keep three quarterbacks on the roster because of that third quarterback rule, because a practice squad guy does not count. So uh, if you have a quarterback on the practice squad and you elevate him to the roster, you have to say third quarterback, he is not eligible to be the emergency third quarterback. So you could you could finesse it so you you call up, you elevate your backup quarter you quarterback from the practice squad, make him the backup, and then you you know, you make Clayton Toon the emergency quarterback. I could see a scenario with that. But the fact that it's Jeff Driscoll who support who's going to be re signed slash added to the practice squad and not David Blau, I <laughs> I will say this. I don't understand what they're doing at the quarterback position with this team right now. Yeah, I don't know if anybody does. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see how it plays out. And I know that's a cop out for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that what Monty and and JG have done this offseason kind of allows them to give or us to give them some rope um, and trust them right now and you know if in two months they're sitting at zero and seven and they're talking about kyler's not going to play this year and you know we're just going to roll forward then then we have some questions that need to be answered right but for now for now i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt in this situation um just because I've liked how they've gone about things to this point. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, the running back position, uh, honestly, I didn't find it at all surprising. Um, three running backs on the roster. In fact, I believe on my last, yeah, it, it was the last, my, my final roster prediction. That is exactly the way that I went. The three running backs I kept on the roster. were the three, And I thought they were going to have to cut a running back to keep an extra line, which they didn't end up doing. Um, but James Conner, Keontae Ingram, he's the number two, and Amari DiMarcado. Um, Corey Clement did not Clement did not get did get cut. Um, he immediately becomes a free agent, and 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 in some ways, some people thought I was a surprise. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't have, but when one of our local report one of our local beat writers said, "Oh, what a surprise!" when Corey Clement was like, "Let's be honest, no one should ever be surprised by a cut." of a player who played deep in the final preseason game. And Corey Clement got got in lots of fourth-quarter carries. Now, it felt like he went from number two to cut in a matter of like two weeks, and maybe that was more because DeMarcado developed and Ingram got healthy. Because I don't think that Clement was bad by any means. Um no, but I think it's, again, what kind of what we talked about. You've got a couple of things, right? You've got a team, and this kind of goes counter to my point, So, like, but you've got a team that looks at what their play style is going to be. It's going to be run the ball, play defense, um, force teams to go the length of the field. I don't know if that's going to work with how this defense is. We'll find that out. That's a different conversation for a different day. But look at the backs they kept, right? Look at the three backs on the roster, you know, and 
we can always be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Skeptical of how players' weights are listed, right? Like that's, I think that's a fair thing. It's a healthy skepticism, I guess we could say. Um, you know, but Demarcado's the smallest guy at 5'9", 215 pounds. You know, Keontae Agram's 5'11", 221. Connor's listed at six foot, you know, 230. I think they said he's down to, what, 225 or whatever. Again, with the information as you will. But so where did Clement fit in that group? I, I get that he's a different type of back, but with what they want to do, how they want to utilize their backs, I just, I don't know. You know, well, and, and basically, and I'll say this, like, but but that's the other thing too is they list, the NFL lists Clement at two twenty, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, maybe he's <laughs> just as thick. He he doesn't look as thick as the other three. I would well, say. What's funny is is uh, a buddy of mine, Eric Swarson, who works for for um, three sixty Sport, AZ Sports three sixty yeah Sports three sixty AZ. He he and I now he's a big TCU guy, and I told him like watch out for Demarcado. He didn't think Demarcado, but I told him it was like he does a lot, and then talked to him. It's like. What what did he do at TCU? And he did all the other stuff. He's good at blitz pickup. He can play special teams. He didn't return kicks, but he can return kicks. And that's kind of what we saw. And if we're looking, and I'll, I'll be honest, like he is a younger, slight, I guess, I'm guessing a more skilled player than Clement or Tyson Williams. But let's not, let's, let's not go crazy here. The guys he beat out are meh. Like Clement... Been yeah, in the I mean, league for a while, it, but he's, he's all, just meh. And Tyson Williams, all, meh. Just journey, it's cool to see. Yeah, it's all journeyman backs. Like it's not like it's not like they had you know Zeke and Tony Pollard, and you're like, well, they cut Zeke to keep Amari D Mercado, right? Like it's like clearly Connor's the one. It feels like clearly Ingram's two, and then D Mercado's the third back. And I assume he's going to be active because if you carry three backs, I assume you're going to have to carry all active. Yeah. They're all, they're all going to be active. He's going to be the guy that plays like special teams. You, I mean, four backs, like having a fourth back isn't even out of the question. Not with the roster, the way they built it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there was nothing surprising about that for me, the, for the, for the running back room. Um, but then we go to the wide receiver room, and the they, they kept six. They kept six rather than five. We, I I really only had them keeping five just because of numbers, and the five they kept were no surprise at all. You've got Hollywood, you've got Rondale, you've got Michael Wilson, you've got Zach Paschal, and then you've got Greg Dortch. The guy that sneaked onto the roster is Daniel Arias. And as I looked at... No, I, I didn't keep him in the final 53 on the last prediction, but after the second game... I was looking at his special teams playing time and I was like, oh, he was playing the most special team snaps on the team. And that's what he, he was a stud special teamer at, at Colorado. And he's got that, that length, you know, he's kind of a, that, that Antoine, Antoine Wesley guy that, that you don't know. He's probably not going to do anything offensively, but he's going to give you lots of things. And only he was a very good special teams player at Colorado. So I'm like, if there's room for him, I bet he sneaks onto the roster. And so that didn't surprise me too much uh, about that. I just was surprised that they kept six, especially considering the, the imbalances across the roster. 
yeah, and it's just like you said, it's an interesting way to to construct a roster because it feels like he's also the easiest cut if push came to shove. But like you said, if he's being looked at as a he's like Trent Sherfield, only taller, right? Like a potential a special teamer. It's hard to cut those guys, right? Yeah, and that's where Jeff Rogers comes in. Like, you know, look, he needs to be on the roster. I need this guy. But yeah, so the the, the first three positions, not too, not much to talk about. And the next one. So coming up next on the Rise Up Secret Podcast, best our Cardinals talking with us. Move on. Talk about the next set, uh, kind of group of positions: tight end, offensive line, defensive line. That's coming up next on Rise Up Secret. We're back on the Rise Up Secret Podcast, best our Cardinals talking with me. Talk about the tight end position. Um, the three to top three, no surprise. It was just a, for, for, for me, it was simply, were they going to keep three or four? And if they keep four, I think it's going to be, be, uh, probably Blake Whitehart, the, the undrafted kid out of Wake Forest. He played, I think he played the most snaps on offense of everyone on the team and played a ton on special teams as well. Um, and I think ultimately that plus, they liked him well enough to guarantee him $200,000 uh, on his rookie contract. So, you know, whether whether they kept him on the roster, he would have been on the practice squad at least. But I wasn't surprised to see them keep all four. And the guy that they that they kept was was the guy I expected, though. Tongi uh, was was a possibility. We'll see if he ends up on the practice squad because it kind of feels like that might be the way they go. Well, and the reason I picked Tungyai over Whiteheart was because it felt like Tungyai was getting some of those reps at the fullback H-back, but then obviously, God, we'll talk about it in a little bit, Jesse Lucchetta ends up getting those reps too. So I will so, say, I don't think that's going to happen in the regular season. You're going to use Trey McBride to do that, probably. Yeah, probably. But, I mean, maybe in a short yardage situation, you do put Lucchetta in. So, like, you know, that was my thing with Tungyai, but Whiteheart, you know, it makes sense. They loved him. He catches the ball well, right? Like, there's no – he he did a nice job um, during this entire process showing out and being a guy that can, you know, play. So, I, you know, you, it's always cool to see this. Um, guys like that end up playing well and, and doing good things. Um, and, again, another guy that has – um, really good experience on kick and punt coverage teams. I know we're talking way too much about special teams guys, but like, <laughs> but that matters on a roster that matters, and it, especially on a roster where you're looking at it and go, we need every guy to contribute to potentially win games. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the offensive line though, <laughs> um, they're clearly not done with the offensive line. I thought they were going to keep, 10. Now it turns out John Gaines and this sucks. Their fourth round pick has that metric that shows promise as a starter with that shuttle time. Um, gets all the reps in the offseason as the second team center and then after one play in the finale injures his knee and apparently was it was serious enough that he's done for the year. Uh, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll have to find out what that was. I don't think Ann will tell us, but we'll have to find out through other channels what that injury was. I mean, I assume if if he has surgery, we'll hear about it and we'll know at that point what it was. Right? Yeah, but they, you know, 
I suddenly, I've been a Yelda Froholt doubter all offseason. I'm sold, okay? I'm sold on him. He's done everything that, that he's looked fine. He's looked solid. He's even had some flash plays. And then everybody that they bring in gets hurt. They, you know, Gaines is out. They signed Pat Elfline, who has missed so many games over the last three years. Immediately got hurt, just like Marlon Mack. Now he's on injured reserve. The Cardinals don't have a backup center on their roster. On their roster, Yelda Froholt is the only center on the roster. That's why I thought that they would have Hayden Howerton. I, I, Howerton they'll probably bring back to the practice squad, I would guess, um, because he was getting third-team center looks. And then in the finale, he was playing left tackle too, and I thought that was the perfect guy that you could have as your 10th offensive lineman if, if for example, if Gaines was going to be an eligible-to-return guy. Like, he would have been on the roster for a day, put on IR to be, you know, elevate to be activated later on. And so that's why I had them keeping 10. Um, they keep their starting five. They keep Kelvin Beecham. They keep Dennis Daly, who's in, whose ankle injury is apparently okay, okay enough. And they keep Marquise Hayes, um, another guard, which makes sense. Um, and I think he's the guy I, I had in my prediction as well. And so just the only thing that was different is they didn't keep Howerton, though. Um, the lack of a center... What are they going to do with that? Because is this now when they go out and, and, and call up Ben Jones? That we, we've been we've been predicting Ben Jones all off season. Is this when that finally happens? It it might be, or the, like I said, maybe they've got names in mind and they they kind of just waited for these cuts to happen and and let the string play out. You know, they they seem to be. That's one thing I'll give Monty is he seems to be very patient and diligent with his time frames. I mean. People can say what they want about the DeAndre Hopkins situation. He took his time. Like he he didn't force the issue. He he tried to find something that he felt was befitting of making that trade. Um, didn't find anything. Wasn't happy. So he you know he was okay releasing. And and I think that's how this is going to play out. Like obviously they need to make a move. You can't go in with just Froholt as your center and no backups. But I feel like they've got a plan in place. More so than they did with, like, the quarterback situation, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not saying they don't have a plan in place. I'm they've got like, a plan, I Jonathan Gannis, and they feel comfortable with it, but was right. that really well, was that really what the plan was going to be the whole time? Well, and I think that's our thing, you know, going back to that, is, like, that's the difference, right? Like, we know that there's they have to get a center. Like, there's not a question. Like, you cannot go into this season with Froholt as your only center like it's just not going to work so they're going to grab somebody whether or not we agree with it or you know like it whatever that's a different story but um on the flip side you go all right well what are you guys going to do at quarterback so like that's the only difference but yeah i mean i was surprised that howerton didn't make it um you know i'm not sure what to make of Dennis Gailey making it. I mean, do you have an opinion on it? Not I mean, really. I I expected Daly to make it. I expected it the whole time. He's 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 lineman six. Honestly, you look at how they used the, the jumbo tight end. He was the guy that brought in. Um, Beecham so is. Just, I, I mean, it just must have been a situation where they were playing him so much to see where he fit best. Yeah. Well, is I that, think they were just getting him. They made sure that he was getting reps at both guard positions so he could be the main backup guard, honestly. Yeah, that makes sense. 
but yeah, um, the rest of that, the offensive I mean, it's line really, is... it's really interesting that, you know, we talk about this all the time and balance doesn't matter. Right. But to only have, um, like you said, 23 offensive players, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's different. It is. It is. And we moved to the defensive line too, where they kept more than we expected. Okay. The starting lineup. It, we figure it, that's the way they played it. LJ Collier, Lecky Fotu, and Jonathan Ledbetter. Very cool story. Ledbetter, how he's developed. Lecky Fotu, who made a resurgence. They kept Carlos Watkins, not a surprise. They kept Dante Stills, not a surprise. Um, Kevin Strong, the guy they brought in from the Texans, uh, from the Titans, also not terribly a surprise. I thought they were going to those. Honestly, those are the six guys I would have picked. But then they kept a seventh guy, Ben Stilley. Um, okay. He, I will say, he did make some plays. He did make some plays, and I think he adds, I, I, but he was not really on my radar for, for that. All at the same time, it, pretty much when I did, like, the, the positional previews and player previews, pretty much everyone on the defensive line had a shot at making it. There was no one I'm like, nope, they're not going to make it. Like, except for Collier and probably Watkins. I felt that those two were more or less locks. I thought everyone else was, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, and again, it comes back to: are they are they doing that because they're confident they can get Stilly or Stills on the practice squad in two days, right? Versus tomorrow, maybe. Uh, maybe. Though that, I, I mean, don't just generally act like if there's something I've learned over the last few years, I don't generally, especially when it comes to trenches, guys. Those people don't claim those guys off waivers when they were like sixth and seventh round picks. No, defensive but I... backs, especially when they have a special teams flair, sometimes. But I know. think I think the only reason I say Stills maybe is because he's got some pass rushing juice, and so that would be the only reason I could think that they wanted to keep Stilly and they but they wanted Stills as like a practice squad guy. I don't know. But. Because you look at it, I mean, outside of Collier, he's really the only guy with any juice <laughs> to rush the passer. You are on, absolutely on that. correct. So, you know, that's that's that'll be what's interesting. They're going to stop the run, it looks like. Well, they're going to try. <laughs> try to, because, yeah. Now, you know, we'll see how that first unit does because if it wasn't absolutely all their starters in, wow. Wow, they weren't very good against stopping the run. And it's really interesting that they went, you know, seven defensive linemen and then seven edge players, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yes, yes. Well, that's talking next. Coming up next, coming up next on the Res of Series podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the Web. Let's move on to the next segment of players where we talk about the the rest of the roster, honestly. The linebackers, the defensive backs, and the specialists. That's coming up next on Res of Red. We're back on the Res of Series podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the Web. Seven defensive linemen. Seven outside linebackers. Now, I, I kind of get that because, and I actually wrote about it. I wrote about it. I said that that room was going to make the most difficult decisions with cuts because they're either promising or they really like them. And every one of those seven players, even if like on publicly you don't love them, but like they weren't going to cut Zeven Collins. Dennis Gardeck wasn't going to get cut. Those were locks. 
B.J. Ojulari, second-round pick this year. Cameron Thomas, third-round pick this year. So promise. And also notable, built exactly the way they like those edge players, apparently. My J. Sanders I, was a question mark for me. I had him off the roster. Um, oh, we forgot to note goodbye, Richard Lawrence. We we talked about it. We predicted that. But but now Lecky Fotu is the only draft pick from 2020 left. Lonely Lecky. Um, <laughs> but My J. Sanders didn't play all preseason, didn't play a practice hardly at all in, in, in training camp. So I wondered where he stood in the pecking order. Although it felt like all offseason that he was expected to be a player they would showcase. Victor Demikeji, um, he flashed. He was actually ahead of Sanders on the depth chart for the preseason and played a ton on special teams and made some flashy plays. Like He, he wasn't good all the time, but he did make splash-type plays at a few times. And then we know Jesse Lucchetta. I think he's a player that literally every coach and GM would love. And the reason why he went to the seventh round is just how non-athletic he was comparably. Um, compar- you know comparatively with everyone else um, that was coming out of the draft. But he did it all. Luketa is a guy. They wanted to keep him on the roster initially last year, and then the practice squad ended up being on the roster uh, for a lot of the season. So I get why they didn't cut any of them, but that's a weird way to do it. Are they really going to keep all seven, or do you think maybe Sanders might get traded? Yeah, I'm wondering what Sanders' role is here. Um, or if it was just genuinely that they like him, he was hurt, and they didn't want to rush him back. Um, that's that's going to be the question with this one because, you know, Demikeji and Luketa seem to have roles. Um, and I think a lot of it, like we said, with MyJ is just he hasn't been out there, so it's tough to to gauge what his role is right now without speculating. Yeah. Um, the inside linebackers, nothing surprising there. Um, the five that they kept were the five that we thought they would keep, um, you know. But in, interesting, it, it appears that Josh Woods has locked up the starting job, uh, along with Kaiser White and Chris Barnes, number three, Zeke Turner, special teams guy, fully guaranteed contract. He was going to be, he was going to be back, and then Owen Papo, who has athletic upside, and by the way, also played gobs on special teams in the preseason. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things that you look at that Papo and really profiles to be a guy that's in the league for a long time, at worst as a special teams contributor. And then, you know, like I told you guys last week with, with Gannon and Rallis and their their background, we'll see what that looks like as the next couple of years if he can turn into a, an actual um you know, every down type of linebacker. But, yeah, this was not a surprise at all. I think, you know, Barnes and Woods were basically locks as soon as they signed. Um, and then and then Turner, I just feel like, like you said, with, with Jeff Rogers sticking around, he wants guys he's comfortable with. And he's, he's one of the best, really. Like, he has so many roles. Um, I, I don't know if we'll ever see him on defense. He, he developed a small role on defense last year under Vance Joseph. But, yeah. And the cornerback position? Now Garrett Williams, we're not going to see him for. We'll see how they what their plan is for him. Apparently, they have a plan for him. I don't know if that plan includes this year. He moves to the regular season NFI, so he's got to miss at least four games. And then the Cardinals kept five cornerbacks. Um, you know, Mark Wilson going to make it. Keytrail Clark, uh, Antonio Hamilton, and, and I think the 
when we kind of wondered about the, the role for Antonio Hamilton, and then we saw that he was... Uh, remember that first play preseason game? We're like, what was Antonio Hamilton playing that deep in the game? He's first on the depth chart, and then late in the preseason, like the preseason finale, he's one of the guys that's not dressed. So okay, Antonio Hamilton's got it, and I'm I'm pretty sure now, especially with the way they have the safety room, I think Antonio Hamilton Hamilton's your nickel, right? If you only have three safeties on the roster, JT goes back to just playing safety full time, and Hamilton's probably their nickel. I would guess. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton probably makes the most sense. Um, like I said, the Boyd, keeping Boyd was a little bit interesting to me. He does have, I think, $400,000 in guaranteed salary. And he's always been a big special teams guy, which was interesting because in the preseason, he didn't do much on special teams in terms well, and of that's what, And that that's why I, again... You know, it's always the, you know, the first year of a new regime is always tough to figure out. And that's why this was a tough one to figure because, like you said, a guy that has played mainly, I mean, I'm looking right now, so I'm, I'm accurate. Outside of 2020, almost all of his snaps come on special teams. I mean, 21, he played 15% of snaps. And then in 22, he played 3% of the snaps while he played 82% of snaps on special teams. Like, it just feels like he's a guy that's a a special teamer, and then he didn't do it. So then you're like, I don't know what to think of this guy. Like, I don't know what to make of how they're using. Do you think that that Hamilton is going to play boundary and slide inside and they'll bring Keytrell in, or is Keytrell going to start opposite Marco? I think Keitrell's probably going to start. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing he's going to start, play the boundary, and and stick ha- and hold Hamilton just to the run roll in the slot. You know, another possibility with Boyd. I think he's played some safety as well. And so he does give you a corner safety possibility. He's, you know... For his first three years in Minnesota, you know, pro football reference has him listed as a defensive back rather than a cornerback, and then last year was cornerback. And he came out of the he came out of the draft as a cornerback, but I if if I had to look at his snaps, I'd have to pull pro football focus. Maybe he's gotten some safety snaps as well, which it, which maybe if you kill time off, I'm finding it right now. <laughs> so and, and so yeah, maybe he the way they they did that is to add him one special teams two, you get them the possibility to in a pinch you could put him at safety as well um because i was surprised at the safety situation that they didn't keep four and i'm not totally surprised who they kept as their number three because we knew it was going to be buddha we knew it was going to be jt and they kept javante moffitt now i think i had him on on the final roster along with andre sacheray I thought Sastry was pretty much a lock because of special teams, because of his, his time in Philly, because of you know his relationship with Jonathan Gannon, but he ended up getting cut. I wonder if he'll be a practice squad guy. Um, but I feel like safety's probably a position they're going to address, just like I'm pretty sure they're going to address center. They're, they have to address center. I think they'll address running back, but I don't know if it'll be a, the top priority. Obviously, they're going to put a third quarterback on the roster practice squad, and we know that's going to be Jeff Driscoll, we think. And But safety is one of those positions where, especially if JT's playing in the slot, 
and Javante Moffitt has to play, you have literally nobody on the bench to play safety unless did you find any information on Boyd? Yeah, so his snap counts were at uh at safety. Ha-ha. So but but that was in that's the other thing is that was in twenty twenty. So he played Did he play a more safety than corner in twenty twenty? So he played what is uh, he played no he played more corner. Okay. Um let's see. Why is this oh this is what I want. Oh there we go. I found it now. There we go. So wide corner yeah, mostly wide corner in twenty twenty. Interesting. Because I thought it was gonna be the opposite of that. Um yeah, it didn't Okay, yeah, so not a whole lot. And then let's see, last 2021. He, I mean, the snaps last year basically just don't count, right? Yeah, 37 like, total snaps. He played yeah, slightly more than we did on defense. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, he's pl- mostly played wide corner. So yeah, I guess maybe Keitrell? I don't, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. Again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but that was the one that confused me the most. Like you said, fantastic fantastic special teams player uh it's just the depth is i mean and we knew that the corner was going to be a thin spot on this roster anyways unless christian matthew really took a big step and antonio hamilton came back to what he was before his his, yeah yeah the matthew i i thought there was a possibility that matthew could get cut i i did um I, i really did too I, I predicted I really he'd be on the roster, but I I wouldn't have been surprised because, um, like Bobby Price now Bobby Price is, Bobby Price played a ton on special teams. He played a lot. Like I like I felt maybe he could sneak onto the roster as a back end guy, but you know Matthews long, he's athletic and 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 you know he did he he did have some nice stuff. He did regress a little bit, but you know. Not a bad fourth cornerback to have right up. I mean, you wouldn't feel terrible about him playing. Like they played him last year. And then we get to the specialists, and they don't have a long snapper on the roster, um, which is concerning, sort of. But, like, this was roster manipulation last year when they did the same thing. At its finest. Yeah, because he... He's not subject to waivers, so they don't have to worry about him getting claimed. He's unless he wants to leave and sign elsewhere, he can come back. And whether in, in practice squad, they maybe they play the practice squad game for a couple weeks, but but he knows he's going to play. <laughs> he knows he's going to play unless this is a, a case where they found out that you know they have someone else in mind. But I don't think that would be the case after the work that they did in the off season. You know, the secret secret. Their undrafted um, long snapper, Matt Hembro, out of Oklahoma State, ended up on injured reserve. That, I wonder, I wonder if they stashed him for next year. Maybe. Uh, we'll we'll see if he gets an injury settlement, but like I wonder if that was a, um, we like you, but Aaron's back, so, and oh, you're nicked up. Injured reserve. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of see because that—that—that's the one thing you wonder about. Um, but yeah, so we don't need to worry about it I, unless unless they sign somebody. 
Aaron Brewer is going to be re-signed to the roster I'm, in some capacity in a couple of days. I'm, I'm so excited for this to not happen. And then next Wednesday, you and I are like, <laughs> the hell? Am I long snapping? I'm, I'm not even clear. I can't long snap. Seth is, no, Seth's not eligible for long snapping, guys, right now. Not yet. Yeah. Not, not yet. I, I, not until, I won't be off the pup until October, guys. I can't do anything. But well, so, it, yeah. I would think that it would be shocking if they moved from him because of the fact that of what we know about Prater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they've got the they've got the consistency in. You got Brewer, uh, you got Prater, and then Cooney. Who's they, I mean, one he won the punting job, which by the way, Nolan Cooley, Nolan Cooney, number one punt average in the preseason. Woo! Is and looking at the the preseason stats, won that punting job. He's, you know, he's been with the team before, so he is familiar for, for Prater and for Fanford Brewer. So I'm not totally surprised. Uh, of the guys that who were cut, who are your favorites to come back to the practice squad? And I, I know with, with a team like this, with the new coaching staff, it's hard to predict. Yes, I, I get that. No, it, it is. But, like, you look at it. I'll, I'll, let me start by saying these are the guys I do not think would be back. The first is going to be uh, Richard Lawrence. I just don't see any way Lawrence is back at this point. Just because, like you said, he wasn't a he, – he's not of this regime. And the way he fell out of favor was really, really odd. Like re- – um, I mean, if Colt McCoy hadn't got cut, this would be a, a bigger story, I feel like. Yeah. Because because this went from a guy that was their starter and probably their most consistent non-J.J. Watt lineman um, until Zach Allen, you know, came on last year to a guy that's just off the roster. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum is – are the knees just that sapped? Like that happens with these big guys. We've talked about it. Well, so, you had, know, he's had foot issues. He's had calf issues multiple times. Right. And he's so big. Um, you know, so I'm looking through the names right now. Um, you know, we talked about Blau. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up back, back on at some point this year. Um, we Jeff, talked about Jeff Driscoll though. I mean, I know that, that makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't, I do not understand this world after what David Blau did for them this preseason. And they're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chashir will be interesting. So yeah, Chashiri, I think will be back. Um, uh, I, I'll be interested to see what cornerbacks come back. Cause I think Bobby well, price, I, I feel like that's a position that they just end up like, they just throw as much at the wall as possible. <laughs> I told you, dude, I'm a huge Quavian White fan. I would love to see Q come back. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I didn't think he played poorly during the, this preseason. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. Um, I could see both Togi I or shouldn't say both either Togi I or Horningford coming back. Like technically, be- I believe Sykovit still has another year. Of an yeah, I think, of I think you're right. I think you're right with that. So we'll see, you know. But he, he, he doesn't count, so he's a 17th practice squad guy. Right, exactly. Um, looking at it, offensive linemen are going to be interesting too, right? Yeah. Um, 
because they need depth. I, I, <laughs> they need depth. So my my guess are they, are, are they going to bring back Lasitas? You think, or is he is he basically done? Because I think he's, he's done. Not a, because if you if you want to, I think that that's where you bring back Howerton. Okay. Yeah. Um, Howerton sense. and or Braylon Jones. Um. Then you look at they, they didn't actually have a whole lot of awesome, a whole lot of linemen left for them to like Jackson Barton. He's he's a vested veteran. I don't know. It depend. I don't know what. But and I thought he didn't look great anyway. Um, no, no, he did not. There's the the Dada Triori, the the guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name quite right, but he's he's what well, I think he's really long and athletic. I think that's a, a guy that you look at potentially. Um, and, and you generally, I, I I wonder because in years past. Like of the sixteen on the practice squad, any between like ten and twelve were guys that they already had in the building, and that has especially been a trend since the COVID year. Since twenty twenty, that has by far been the trend because you invest so much time in reps. That I mean, just just look at the last few years with with the Cardinals, Vance Joseph and Jace Whitaker, a guy who, by all means, is not a not an NFL player. And I say that the most respectful way, but because he was smart and they could rely, like he wasn't going to over, he wasn't going to win physically, but he was also wasn't going to lose mentally. And so Vance Joseph could always count on him to play any position in the secondary and at least be in the right spot to avoid busted plays. Right, and so that'll be you know interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, you know, this is going to be just interesting because, like you said, most of the time it comes from in house, but this is such a turnover heavy thing. They kept all of their um, their draft picks outside of obviously Gaines, who's on injured reserve oh, for the year. Technically capped and and three yeah. undrafted guys. So so of their they they kept their nine draft picks. Seven are on the roster, and another three undrafted guys in in Demarcado, Arias, and and Whiteheart. We'll see how many of those guys stick. But you know, the last time we had significant, like what was it in 2018, we had two uh, undrafted rookies make the team. Three, three undrafted rookies make the team who have gone on to have very nice NFL careers, and that would be Dennis Gardick, Zeke Turner, and Trent Sherfield. Yeah, and that was such a great class. And, you know, people always bring up Tony Jefferson, and I feel like Jefferson even more so is an outlier of guys that, like, end up, you know, making tons of money and being really great, uh, you know, Pro Bowls and all that stuff. And, and Turner's made some Pro Bowls and stuff, and, you know, so not, not taking anything away from him. But, like, at the end of the day, that's what you're more looking for in your undrafted free agents, right, is, like, contributors, kind of back-end-of-roster contributor guys who hang around for eight, to 10 years um and compete on special teams basically the whole time and that's and that's what they've gotten and and so it's good to see and and we'll see how it if that trend continues um i was going to ask you do you think that they'd bring back mcleod after how well he performed this weekend i would be surprised you but i mean but at the same time how many more outside linebackers they need in the building they've already got seven yeah, and that's why I was curious because I just don't – I don't know where any of these – like, I'm really interested to see how the roster looks next Monday because I think that will be more 
give us a better sign of what it's going to look like for the season, at least this season before we move forward with this regime. Right. Yeah. And you know, who knows what, what we got. Um, well, cause also isn't eight like the bare minimum. Cause you have to have eight linemen active on game. Days, yes. Right? You have to have eight offensive linemen active, which is why having only eight on the roster is weird and not having a guy who can play center. So somebody's getting some, like I, I'm convinced of this and, and, by the time this publishes, maybe by the, by the time you listen yeah. to the show, maybe the roster move has already happened, or you say, "Jess, you're a moron." But I'm I'm convinced that when you have that 52, that means there is a pending, unannounced move or an agreed to trade or signing from a guy that wasn't already on a roster, so an off the streets free agent. And if I had to guess, that would be Ben Jones. But I've been guessing. I've, I've been swinging that bat for. Uh, months now and and i still haven't hey, i still hey, haven't only, hit the ball <laughs> it only takes one man it only takes one. And, and if they sign up it's like i told you since march watch for ben jones but i i don't know but you know but we know with the the centers available it's odd garbage not not that's not to say there aren't some good players but anybody who has been good is either old or hurt and so they go out and get Pat Elfline when he's finally healthy. And what does he do? Like within a week, he gets hurt. And now he's on injured reserve. Marlon Mack, they sign him. He injured reserve. So way to cash a, cash a year's check as a as a veteran. It's not like they didn't do it nefariously. Just they're, that's what happens in the NFL. So because I was kind of, I was, you know, I looked at some of the, the transactions to see if there was anybody like in Cleveland or Houston or Tennessee. Um Nothing caught my eye. Maybe Philly um, safety Kayvon Wallace, who was cut. I could see where he might be a guy they they would claim on waivers. But, you know, the Cardinals are number three on the waiver claim priority. So mostly guys that they want, they're going to get. Yeah, and it's going to be really intriguing to see where they go because, like we said, 27 defensive guys already (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> like are they gonna are they gonna just feel the like a like a 20 man offensive roster on offense and practice squad and and then have 40 guys on the defensive side of the ball <laughs> as i said i that those are the questions i have more like obviously i love picking the brain of guys and hearing the ins and outs and like the the deeper understanding of things but that's one of my biggest questions is how much influence did jonathan gannon have because his his fingerprints are all over this roster with the emphasis on defense and special teams like he's like okay i know you need a third running back i will give up my sick corner so you can have a third running back but i'm not going to give you i'm not going to give up either of my top seven front five guys for your for your fourth tight end so you got to figure that out on your own like it's just it's it's such a baffling you can't have a long snapper on the active i know i know we're gonna do the well somebody brought up this great point and i'd love to get your feedback i I meant to ask this you when we're talking about it with Brewer's injury history the last couple seasons, right, where he's missed a game or at least spurts of practices during weeks, do you think this was also a, a little gamesmanship? Because 
remember, as a vested veteran, his contract guarantees as soon as he makes this roster. It's well, it's week, it, it's it is when he's active in week one. So okay. that wouldn't that wouldn't matter anyway. So it doesn't matter. That's what my question was. So it, it wouldn't matter. matter today. It matters once he's on the active roster for week one. Okay. Yeah, because I was curious if that was it, where like it didn't guarantee his contract the whole time. So they were like, "Yeah, we'll do this." So so unless they're unless they're gonna have another long snapper week one. Good luck with that. That <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but. <laughs> but the the way that we have they'd have to get an unproven guy and they bring back who was it um Jew. who is that who is that Packers guy Jack Coons oh yeah yeah the guy that they had they they brought in for a couple of weeks before before Brewer, Brewer got healthy yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know that and that's and that's what I'm saying I just don't again we just I mean we've not seen this before so we just don't know and so we'll figure it out together as a group it makes it more enjoyable <laughs> that way all right we'll wrap up this edition of the rise of secret podcast best of Cardinals talk in the web hall uh I'll, I'll figure out what we're doing later in the week uh, might have something on a oh probably this is probably the only show for this week i just realized that there's an asu football game i just not to realize i didn't realize i remembered i'll be at the asu football game thursday night and then i'm getting out of town Friday mornings, I won't be back till Monday. So this is the only show. Chew on this for the for the full week, and then you can mock us for where we're idiots about what we're talking about with roster things, and and make sure to listen to our previous shows and subscribe and all that stuff. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Rude. This is the Rise of Sea Red Podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Red.